Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And this week we have a stellar case. Can I use that word? Does it fit here? I don't know. I think I don't know if it fits. This was a uh, listener recommended word we use, but I'm just not sure if it fits for this case. Yes. So Violet told us to use the word stellar, but I don't know if it fits this case. We're going to use it, it anyways. Yeah. Thanks, Violet. We appreciate the recommendation because, man, it's hard to come up. I literally Googled the words and that like synonyms for doozy and they're not very good ones they're not I feel like they describe something good (laughs) I feel like that's kind of what the vibe I'm getting with stellar too like that it might be too upbeat of a word well I actually I will say this I think it's stellar and we'll come back to that word at the end and we'll discuss why (laughs) is that good good? (laughs) I like that we'll keep that there we'll keep it (laughs) well um I know you picked this case Sid so I will let you set the scene for us yes so I guess just right off the bat I'll give another shout out real quick um to my girl Brianna who gave this case as a suggestion I'm not gonna lie when she first recommended it I was like okay I'll add it to my list and just left it there (laughs) and then recently I pulled it up and was like holy shit yeah it's a lot but yeah we appreciate the suggestions because we do them eventually it's just (laughs) a matter of when (laughs) yeah sometimes we have like an ongoing list and sometimes we make modifications and need to fit something in there and um I'll say I think this was a good one I'd never heard of it no I'd never heard of it either so Let's jump right in. In July 1976, David Schuldes, 25, and his fiance Ellen Matthews, 24, headed to McClintock Park in Marinette County for a weekend camping trip. They had plans of enjoying each other's company, but instead were struck with quite the surprise on their weekend getaway. So, I guess before we get into their weekend, for those of you that aren't from Wisconsin, Marinette County is on the northeastern side of the state. It's about an hour or so from Green Bay, and it's about an hour away from, like, the Michigan border near, like, Iron Mountain area. Sweet. Thanks for looking that up because I did not. So, I was not 100%, but I knew it was somewhat close to Green Bay. Yes, I feel like everything's always somewhat close to Green Bay, (laughs) and it's always the city that everyone knows for whatever reason. For the Packers, (laughs) it's probably because of the Packers. Go Pack! Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't be saying that after Week One of (laughs) 2021 football, but (laughs) I'm not a Packers fan. Okay, I'm just here for a good time, not a long time. Don't yell at me, people. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, Sydney is not a Packers fan. And although I am a Lions fan, I also root for other teams, too. So, (laughs) don't hate on us, people. (laughs) 
Hate the game. Don't hate the player. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So David and Ellen had arrived at the park on July 9th, 1976. They started to set up their campground, and it's believed that they had plans of going on a nature walk. Ellen had headed to the bathroom prior to their walk, and David had waited outside like any gentleman would, um, waited for her to use the bathroom. While David was waiting, he was shot in the neck and died almost instantly. Ellen was still in the bathroom and either was probably scared shitless, so she ran out when she heard the gunshot, and ran towards this wooded area kind of to the side of the bathrooms or she was ordered out of the bathroom by the killer who killed David. I mean, I'd do anything if someone's pointing a gun at me, honestly. So fair. True. And I feel like also, if you hear that noise, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? And run out of the and bathroom. You, run and you're in into... like the park restroom. I'm sure it just like right outside of it. It like echoes. That's true, and I'm also just picturing, like, the cold, like, stone bathrooms that's just, like, you hear water dripping, and then you just hear, like, a loud bang, and you're like, okay, what the fuck is that? Oh, yeah, anyone could panic. So, in the wooded area that was not far from the stalls, Ellen, which Ellen is believed to have run out run out of the bathroom and ran into she was sexually assaulted and then was shot twice in the chest okay so about a half hour after the events had happened park worker these names are gonna kill me Stanley Apinasawus Stanley A Stanley A (laughs) drove to a location that was near the bathrooms to check the firewood supply. What he found when he went to this area was David lying on the ground with a puddle of blood around his head. He had spotted a man who was driving in that general area and waved him down to wait with the body. The driver was Lance Timper, who was an off-duty police officer. Once the police had arrived on the scene and searched the young couple's campsite, they were able to determine that they were looking for Ellen as well. So they had only found David at this time, but they knew that they were looking for another person. Um, I believe that they had spotted a purse like in David's vehicle. So they knew that there was a woman that was somewhere in the area, whether she was missing or she was deceased. On the officer's initial search, they had only located David's body. On the 10th, the following day after the murders had taken place, they were able to locate Ellen's body and were able to determine that she had been raped. They were able to recover the semen from her shorts, which was sent to the Wisconsin State Crime Lab. So I guess keep in mind, this is 1976. So the labs and, like, the profiles that they have at this time are obviously nothing like what we had today. Um, I honestly was super surprised to even read that they collected that evidence at all because I feel like it's also one of those things that they're just like, yeah, we know what this is, but they just didn't do it during that time period. Okay, these are my thoughts. I have two thoughts. When you hear stuff of people, like, mess up getting DNA or don't, 
or anything like that, you're, you're always, like, mad, even though it was way back then. I know at least I'm always mad. Like, what the hell are you doing? But let's True. be honest. People couldn't predict the future. However, I am always so impressed in these old cases when there is DNA collected, even if they cannot do anything. And a lot of cases I've heard that do get solved later on down the road, they use those DNA samples that, you know, when new advancements are made and they're like, hey, we have this cold case. Let's see if that's enough to get something now. And then another advancement will be made five, ten years down the road. So it's always really impressive to me, at least, that they had the forethought to do that. And it's, I think it's just really crazy because, I mean, they were collect, like, I feel like it was literally a shot in the dark almost. Like, they collected these items, but, like, they weren't doing anything because in the 1990s was when, like, the DNA profiling had started to emerge and when the the labs were actually starting to create, like, those profiles. So, that's when it really was a boom. So, this is 76. This is 13 years prior, which is pretty interesting. I think at this time, maybe the only basis that they were really doing was trying to eliminate by blood type. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you might have that in semen. I don't know how that would work back in the 70s. But, um, yeah, it just it's really mind-blowing. Like I said, they had that forethought to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Props to those officers. Yes. So, in the 90s, like mentioned, was when that DNI, DNI, DNA profiling had actually started to emerge, and the lab was able to create a specific profile from that recovery on Ellen Shorts. But, although they had that sample, they were unable to match it to a specific DNA profile. In 2001, there was another attempt to match the DNA sample, but no matching profiles were located. So these are basically both of the times that the cases was reopened and detectives decided to look back into it. Yeah. Um, again, in 2018, so pretty recently, the sheriff's office had contacted Parabon Nanolabs, which is a DNA technology company that is looking at DNA forensics. Shouts out to them because, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yet. I just get really excited. That's the same company that helped do the genealogy testing to help lead a path to the Golden State Killer. Yes. So this this Parabon company is really when my mind started to go, what the fuck is really going on? Like, science is wild. (laughs) Wild. Buckle up, guys. This is where we're getting crazy. So these Parabon officials were able to determine that the DNA had ancestry. Um, It was mainly from Northern Europe. The suspect had fair to very fair skin color, uh, blue eyes, reddish brown hair, and some or few freckles. The lab was even able to provide an image of what the suspect was to have looked like at 25 and an image of them at 65, since obviously so many years have passed. um, They needed to have both those options. But the fact that they can even show a photo or like an image, a sketch (laughs) of what the fuck they expect this person to look like, and even like they might have some or few freckles, like what? That's very exact. 
it's so crazy it's so crazy to think about just science isn't crazy so this is the beginning of 2018 that they're able to come across these discoveries from the Parabon labs and then in late 2018 the lab was able to reach back out to investigators once again this time they were able to come up with some shocking information the genealogist was able to narrow down the pool of suspects to a specific family. So they're able to name a specific group of people, okay? Mind blown. <laughs> Absolutely fucking mind blown. And my only guess is that there had to be someone in this family either in their system through genealogy testing or with a record. That's usually how that happens. And that's guess. what I was thinking. So, like, is that something? So, like, if I go do, like, Ancestry.com, am I going to show up on one of these genealogy things later down the line if I commit a crime? So, you could. There's Like, options. if you do the, the DNA stuff. That's just. You, you have to opt out. I've had this argument quite a few times because, personally, I, I have a DNA kit. I just haven't done it yet. But, okay. um. I want to, and I would never opt out. <laughs> and so people, okay, people have two points of view on this. I'll tell you the opposing view of mine first is usually like, obviously you're giving over your DNA to like a company and a government, potentially for the government to use. And so that's, you know, where conspiracy theories happen and you could i'll tell you this i freaking shed everywhere okay same i don't need my dna in a database because if i commit a crime my hair will be there that's so, true <laughs> like i'm not very worried about that i get you uh, a swim cap my family committed a crime then i i'm not going to be one of these i want to know and also the big reason why i support this which i think may sway you here sydney is these genealogy databases are also used to help identify Jane and John Doe bodies. So if at one point in time I have a distant relative that could have potentially gone missing and I have no idea about it, um, I would like to know. You know, if my grandma had some sort of sibling that we might not know about or, you know, my dad's family we might not know because we might not talk to the extended family. You know what I mean? So that's very if true. My DNA could potentially help us identify someone that was missing or someone that's been unidentified. I would love to do that. That would be like, I'd, I'd be so proud. I don't think it would ever happen, but that's why I would never opt out personally. <laughs> so the only time it would really affect you is if one of your siblings decided to commit a crime. Which... I don't know, then they'd be screwed, but not me. <laughs> Peyton would be living her best life. <laughs> I guess I, by DNA testing, ratted them out, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great, um, like, quote in an article that I would read later <laughs> on. You know, I just want I... you to know if one of them gets arrested, that's what I will specifically say just for you. <laughs> I could have opted out, but fuck them bitches. I'm glad I had myself on mute because I literally started joking. 
laughing. I love it. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I'll say. Sorry, I'll I didn't be- mean to interrupt. I'll let you keep going. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. That was needed. All right. So the genealogist was able to narrow down to a specific family. She was able to identify the family of Gladys Brunette and ready for me to screw up another name. Oh, I'm so excited for you to say it. I don't even know. I was going to listen to how it was pronounced and I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Edward Vanna Uwinhoven. That's actually really good. Vanna Uwinhoven? Yeah. Vanna Uwinhoven. Yeah, I think that's correct. For my listeners, it is like a 14, 15 letter word. It's a little absurd. I saw this name and was like, how do you say? (laughs) Vanna Uwenhoven. I think that's what it is. So their family was named as possible suspects. The two had six children and the genealogist believed the suspect could be one of their four sons or one of their four grandsons. Their four sons were named Edward, Francis, Raymond, and Cornelius. So ultimately, investigators have four people that they need to figure out which one is involved. So they just basically continue on with this DNA saga. I just want to say that this to me was just, I guess it makes sense as to how investigators really get your DNA, but it's a lot more interesting when you read it in like someone's actual, like a real life case. Yeah. Like this was something to me (laughs) that's straight out of a movie. So investigators just start with one son at a time. So they first, they stake out Cornelius's house. They are hanging out outside they find a bag of garbage that they take from outside his residence. And inside that bag of garbage, they find a pair of socks, a Band-Aid, and an inhaler. So basically, it's up to them to test all of these items or one of these items to find a match. But there was no match to the DNA profile from any of the items that they were able to locate from this garbage bag. So, so good old Neil gets ruled out. Yep, so they move on to the next one. <laughs> and I say Neil because it's really funny. Actually, when I had two thoughts when I saw this last name. One, how the fuck do you say that? And two, holy shit, is that a German-ass last name? Okay. Why do they all have long-ass names? Well, it's extra funny because my grandpa is 100% German. His father's name was Cornelius, and he went by Neil. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> Just had to share. Shout out to Papa if he listens. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So they move on. They're able to rule out Neil. And they move on to Edward. So Edward, unfortunately, had lived next to a retired sheriff. So it sounded to me once the sheriff got wind of this, he basically set his neighbor up, told him to come over for some coffee, and gave that mug that he had used to drink, uh, drink that coffee from to investigators. And ultimately, he was eliminated. Which is, like, real shady if you think about it. (laughs) Don't trust anyone. Why'd you gotta do that to me? But also very smart on their end. The first thing that 
it's very smart. And the, one of the first things that actually I thought about afterwards, because it sounded like um, the sheriff that he had lived by, they were friends, you know, they have coffee dates. And I was like, I wonder if they still have coffee dates or if he was like, no, I don't mess with you anymore. Like that was, <laughs> that was bogus. Like, I mean, I guess it depends. Like what was I'd their relationship pro- like afterwards? I'd probably still be friends with you. Like, as long as the sheriff's the one that told me after, like, my brother was arrested, not, like, the actual cops. Like, my friend that I had coffee with had to have been the one to tell me. <laughs> That's true. I mean, maybe you put two and two and together by himself. Like, no, don't put your don't put your cup in the sink. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to put it in this plastic <laughs> bag for you. Maybe. <laughs> so, we've eliminated two brothers. So, we got two left. So, the officers move on to Raymond. They went to his residence and actually had him fill out a brief survey on policing. Once he finished that survey, they had him lick the envelope shut and put his survey inside. Um, When he licked that envelope shut, they were able to get his DNA and sent it to the lab. What they heard back from the lab was that they were able to find a match to the DNA profile that was found on Ellen's shorts. This match was to Raymond Vanuwenhofen. Now I can't say it. Okay, no, that was good. That was good. (laughs) So Raymond was then charged with two counts of first-degree murder from the once cold case. And one count of first-degree sexual assault. The sexual assault charge was eventually dismissed. And although Raymond maintains his innocence the entire time, on August 26th of this year, he was sentenced to life in prison. He is now 84 years old and is set to serve consecutive two consecutive life sentences. At his sentencing hearing... Raymond's youngest daughter believed that his her father was wrong, wrongfully co- convicted and said, you're my dad, you will always be my dad, and I love you, and I will always love you. Which I found really interesting because I don't think that you can think that someone's wrongly convicted at all when we were able to narrow it down all the way to a family. Okay, so I felt like that was a very gross statement. And oh, even like... Freckle. She even started her statement with basically saying she was going to uh, read her statement despite being advised she shouldn't. And the reason she was advised she shouldn't is because, like, they felt like she was being cruel to the family. She yeah. basically went on to say before all of, like, her man, her her father being innocent man was, like, all that this trial has proven was that he had an affair and that he didn't do anything wrong. And I was like, oh, because one of the things I found, you said that Ellen had been shot twice. She was like partially dressed like her shirt was like pulled over her head and her underwear were in the background, like behind her when they photographed the crime scene. And she was shot once while standing up and once again on the ground. They said it looked like. So to me, it sounds it does not sound like. Any sort of sex act that occurred at that time would not have been consensual. And common sense says whoever committed that sex crime also committed the murder. (laughs) 
That's true. And I think the way that it was actually described, I don't know if you read um, Raymond's actual like criminal complaint, but the way that it was written in there said something that it looked like she was putting her clothes back on. So she was like changing, you know, she was putting yeah, her shirt like on. You were free started to go. To put, exactly. Like started to pull up her shorts and then was shot. It's just, um, so I felt like kind of icky reading that statement. I guess like I get it. You know, he's 84. You, even though your youngest, his youngest daughter, she looked, she couldn't have been younger than her 40s. My guess is, and I just felt like, okay, I guess if you don't know this whole time that your father's this like horrible yeah. man, then that's fair. But the way it was worded was kind of like, Ugh. Because, I don't know if you mentioned that it was, like, David was her fiancé. It was July. They were set to get married in September of that year. Yep. So, they, it seemed like they're, they're, they had just recently gotten engaged and they were, like, rushing to get married. And they were, like, very much in love from, like, the accounts of her, like, both their families that testified at the sentencing. It was, um... They were all super excited to, like, see how their lives would turn out. And basically the whole point was, like, no matter what, like, this isn't going to be justice. Even if you go behind bars, like, you stole 45 years of their lives. And then you, meanwhile, have married and had kids and have lived this life that they never got a chance to do. And I'm not necessarily saying that, like, I'm on the daughter's side either with what I'm about to say. But I do get it would be very difficult on either side and especially for you to be almost feel like you're like in the dark and like you lived was your entire life a lie like your dad killed someone oh, yeah. that long ago. Like I couldn't imagine like trying to deal with life again after this person you've known your entire life turns out to not be that person which is just like that show on ID Network that I can never remember what the fuck it's called. Where they live with the goddamn killers. We, we talk, about, we talk about it all the time. It always comes back to this damn show. And I don't know what it's called. It's like my killer or something. <gasps> Lifetime Movie Network has one called Monster in My Family. That's not the one that I'm referring to. But I, that's, I mean, it's probably the same idea. Killer in the Family? Hmm. No. No. <laughs> and I can't just say killer show. Killer parent. <laughs> I'm trying to find ID channel shows and it's so hard. American Monster. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's usually always like someone talks and they're either the bro like the brother or the sister or like a cousin or a spouse. Of a murderer. Yes. Um, so, and we've talked about it before. I'm not saying, like, it would be easy at all. Um, and, you know, I guess, like, I said it was gross. I guess that's kind of unfair because I also think at the same point, like you said, that's not her father and that might not be who she knows. So, this is also very jarring to her in her life. Yeah. So I, I guess I get both sides. I mean, it's definitely for the family to have a case run cold for that long and then to get, like, a definite answer, like, so suddenly. Like, they had information in early 2018, and by the end of 2018, they basically were 
going after the guy. Like, that's pretty crazy. That's really fast. Uh, but it also happened X amount of years later. Yes. And then one other thing. I don't know if you were done yet or not. Sorry, I just rudely interrupted. Um, oh, no, I'm basically <laughs> done. So whatever you got to add. Okay, so one, um, I saw Ellen's mom, as, at least as of his sentencing last month, is still alive. She's 93. And she's the one that basically said, like, he, he being put behind bars is just, like, a start of them getting justice. But she is very grateful that after all these years, they finally have answers. Because it sounds like it's something that's been, like, very heavy within the family for all these decades. And I can imagine that something, like, super tragic like that happens. It's not something you just, like, get over. It's always going to be, like, present. That's very true. And you hear about in so many different cases where people, um, you know, pass and they say, like, they died of a broken heart because they were never under, like, able to figure out, you know, what happened to their loved one or, like, they had so many unanswered questions. So that's really crazy that, I mean, she was able to, she's still alive and she was able to actually be there for those events to find out and sit in front of the person who took her daughter's life. Yeah. And I also saw that it only took the jury two hours to deliberate and find him guilty. So (laughs) there's that. The judge was not nice at sentencing to him at all. I did watch a video on that. He was, he was not very nice. Which is fair. He like basically went on to say like all the evidence shows that this was literally like a random attack. And basically, what did he say? He was cold and depraved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his only decision was really whether his life sentences should be served consecutively or concurrently. And <laughs> I don't want to say what a dick move, because, I mean, if this was 60 year, or 40 years ago, you'd obviously want them to be served consecutively. But this man is 84 years old. He will die in prison. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it sucks to suck, but uh, I'm a big crime junkie fan. And when everything with the Golden State Killer started happening, slowly other cases have also been able to be solved that were cold cases due to, like, the advancement in DNA and genealogy testing. And now that I'm pretty sure it's allowed in all 50 states at this point now, and it's just only going to keep going. It's only going to, like, keep being what they called it the season of justice when it first started happening. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's just a whole new era to potentially solve a bunch of cold cases. And I am here for it. <laughs> yes, it's definitely very exciting. It's just also it does in the shadows of that make me think it's a little sad, though, because I'm sure there's so many cases out there that. They could have gotten samples way back when, but they just didn't because of X, Y, and Z. And now we might not ever have answers to those ones, but we're going to have an answer to a chunk of them. We'll throw it back old school and reference the Burger Chef murders. Yeah. Because that's one that I think would be solved if they had DNA or fingerprints from the crime scene. That is true. That's very true. A lot of those cases back in the day were just all sorts of fucked up facts and then also just my random facts i found um 
David worked at the Green Bay Press Gazette at the time. And Ellen, I just think this is the cutest thing ever. She worked at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Library. She was a librarian. Oh, a 24-year-old librarian. I love that so much. That's the life I wish I lived. <laughs> Not the 45 years that followed, but the librarian part. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that can be uh, your part-time job. Maybe. That I love books. <laughs> that okay. could be fun. You get a lot of paper cuts, though. That's true. I don't like digital, but reading digital books, it makes my head hurt. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so taking it back to the word of the day, and I'm really sorry, I just got super excited that I remembered and I clapped. So if you are, I talk with my hands a lot and no one can see it. So... (laughs) um, This is why I think that word of the day of stellar was actually great because I think it had a pretty stellar ending. It is sad still. I, like, don't want to take away from that sadness by any means. But the fact that, you know, 45 years later, they are seeing some sort of justice finally for that cold and senseless murder, I thought was pretty cool. Stellar also makes me think of, like, Xenon, and Xenon makes me think of science and science makes me think of uh dna forensics so that's how i got there eight degrees of separation right there (laughs) (laughs) i just talked about that game yesterday and how i have uh two and three degrees separation from like two really famous metro Detroit killers (laughs) maybe we'll cover those pieces eventually i should put it on our list Definitely added on the list. Definitely added on the list. And if anyone else has suggestions, here's the proof in the pudding that we do listen to suggestions, okay? And we listen to suggestions on words. We had two shout-outs in one episode. Yes, we love suggestions. We love hearing from you guys. Yes. So love us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we want some more reviews, please, on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get noticed. The more reviews you give us helps more people find us and we can only get better then. So please do that. (laughs) Yes, please. All right, P, you want a joker fact? Hit me with a fact. Do you have a fact? I do have a fact. I really dug deep for this, let me tell you, because the facts are sparse. So, crunchy or hard shell tacos, depending on what you call them, came out around the 1940s when mass production came into play and Taco Bell basically utilized these to streamline their operations. So, the reason hard shell tacos became a thing was because of Taco Bell, is what you're telling me? Yeah, and they were like basically easier to make. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, a lot at one time is when I got out of it. Interesting. I mean, I'm a soft taco kind of person. Same, same. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the crunch, but that's very interesting. I would never have guessed that, so thank you. It seems like most of the facts always surround Taco Bell in some shape or form. They're a pioneer. (laughs) 
All right, so what is a spicy taco's favorite movie? What? Are you ready for this? I don't know. Catch me if you can. <laughs> I would have never guessed that one. <laughs> that one I actually LOL'd when I read it. And I was like, wow, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I like that one. I have, like, tears in my eyes. <laughs> they're so dumb that it's funny. Yeah. They're, so, they're so punny. That's a, I'm here for the punny jokes, so I love it. Same. Very much so same. Well, thank you for sharing your story that you we got as a suggestion and the great fact and joke. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks for all your input and thanks for hanging out with me. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening and all the suggestions. Like Sid said, keep giving us suggestions. Her brilliant phrase. This is the proof in the pudding, right? Is that how you say it? Yes. The proof proof is in the pudding. Okay. I think that some of you people out there think that when I say over and over and over again, give me a case come join my podcast that I'm lying or like just whatever but no we really want you here if you want a guest spot if you have a suggestion I'll add the suggestion to the list the guest spot will be much sooner than the the case I'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) and um find us in facebook to like and follow us, Tacos and Tequilia Podcast. On Instagram, just Tacos and Tequilia. Our website, tacosandtequiliapodcast.com. It has all our blog posts of our case coverings, their links, sources, everything. And, you know, I think for a while we said we had a lot of good news or exciting things coming. Sid, I think we should really hit people with some good news in the next couple weeks i think we should because i feel like we've been teasing people for too long <laughs> way too long well the one big tease was tiktok but i'm gonna be real honest that has made me feel very old so, so i don't hurt. know how successful that will continue to be folks <laughs> i'll try <laughs> no those tiktoks guys i tried to make a tiktok one time and i was like peyton how have you been doing this and I only made three of them, okay? But it took me a while. So and any I'm, of you youngins that <laughs> know how to work the TikTok, also slide in our DMs. <laughs> yeah, if you can help with the TikToks, maybe you want a, a fall internship. This is an unpaid internship to make TikToks for us. But we'll definitely pay you in compliments, sometimes funny memes, lots of conspiracy theories probably some Taco Bell gift cards and maybe some other cool things that we can't say yet because it's not live. Yes. <laughs> Slide in my DMs. Yeah. If you can make let a us, TikTok. Let us know. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Well, I'm getting a little slap happy here, so I guess that's our <laughs> cue to wrap this up. <laughs> like a Crunchwrap Supreme. <laughs> Okay, gotta go. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
Muhahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah